like to, but um, hey, we're going to sing and worship and praise the Lord, and we're going to have church come together and study His Word. Tonight, we're going to continue in our study. We're, of course, still in the book of Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 3. Sunday morning, we kind of peeked in on our Wednesday night study. Um, we we kind of took a look in there at verse number 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and with their tongues, they have, have they used deceit, and the poison of asp is under their lips. We kind of took Sunday morning to, to expound on that a little more at, at how the things that come out of our mouth, um, that's not really the heart of the problem. It's the things that come from within. Our mouth may be the vocal point, but, but we took a look at the fact that everything that we say is a matter of the heart. It comes from the inside, and if those things are offensive to men, then we can only imagine how offensive they are to God. And Paul has a little more to say here in the text, though. Because it's not only what we say that is important. It's not only what we say um, that is damaging. But, but he, he talks about the things that we do are also important. Verse number 14, he goes on, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. But then in verse 15, he goes into actions and he says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this book. God, thank you for being so incredibly good to us. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. God, thank you for your countless wonderful, undeserved blessings that you freely pour out on us. God, we pray right now that you take and bless this message, God. I pray, Lord, you somehow use it to reach out to those that, that may be lost and undone and needing salvation or Lord, even within your children, Father, help us, God, to be better stewards of your work, better servants, God. I pray you'd, you'd speak to us, God. Lord, I pray you'd just reach out and do something special. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. God, things continue to seem to be going backwards, and nobody knows that better than you. And Georgia tries to pass a law to make uh, certain abortions illegal, and the federal government says we can't do that. They won't even let our own state make it illegal to to make certain abortions god and you got them passing laws for for masks and lord there's so many things going on but you know all things you hold them god well we need a touch father i pray right now for everybody's tuned in that your holy spirit would just give them a touch god may we just have a little time a little time with you uh, separated from all the trouble and all the stuff and all the turmoil that's going on father i pray your holy spirit would just settle in father we love you, Lord. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So not only what we say brings judgment, is what Paul is saying here, but it's also our actions, of course, if our words are going to be judged, and we know that our actions also will be judged. But notice the first thing that he mentions, the first sin that he mentions after the sins of the mouth is murder. Ironically enough, the first recorded sin to happen in the Bible outside of the garden was murder. Cain thought his religion was too plush, too refined to kill an animal. He, he, was, he was too clean to have bloodshed, to have to kill an animal for a blood sacrifice. So he thought his religion was too refined for bloodshed, but yet he didn't mind killing his innocent brother shedding his blood out on the ground and God said that it was his blood that cried aloud from the ground 
You know, today in America, there is a murder every 27 minutes. By the time it takes me to do this little short Wednesday night lesson, two people will be murdered right here in our country. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. But then in verse number 18, we see the reason for both of those. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, the very mention of God should inspire men to turn away from sin. The very mention of judgment, knowing that there's a judgment day coming, should cause men to turn from their violence and turn away from wickedness and evil. The very mention of the holy name of God should drive men to their knees in remorse for the sinful things that we've done and the way that we've acted. But men treat God today as though he doesn't even exist. They, they treat God as though he either isn't there or he can't see. We look at sports events and things that are taking place and even more so now with this COVID-19 and trying to reopen stuff and the new standards are setting in schools and all different manners of sports taking prayer out of things and no longer acknowledging God uh, at any of the events. You look, even at the United Nations, the United Nations voted to no longer have prayer before any of their meetings. They, they choose not to acknowledge God in any way, yet they have this giant statue of Zeus in a prominent location for everybody to see. We're in a day and an age when professed atheism is on the rise, when people say they don't believe that there's a God, they don't believe there's a judgment. Listen, they don't have to believe it, but it's not going to stop it. Not all that, I've already preached it, so I won't get back there, but, but I believe they profess those things with their mouth, but they don't believe that in their heart. There's no way that any man truly in his heart could believe that there's not a God, that there's not something that is a created being that made all this come into place. But verse number 19, Paul mentions the law. He says, we know that what things soever the law saith, it is to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. It is the law of God that gives us the truth. It is the law of God that the Holy Spirit gives that brings conviction to the hearts of men. Paul has given us 14 statements from Scripture. Many times he's referred back to the Old Testament. He says, I'm not making this stuff up. Y'all know we've looked at that the past three weeks. He says, I'm not coming up with this. This isn't my ideas. He's bringing things over from the Old Testament. But 14 things he gives us on the subject of sin. The number 14 in the Word of God represents deliverance. Any man who will acknowledge his sins before God, any man who, who will look upon God's truth and see himself as a sinner... When, when we see ourselves for who we really are, we'll have nothing to say in our own defense. I, I have nothing to say in my defense. When I look at my past, when I look at my life, when I look at the way I am, when I look at who I am, I have nothing to say in my own defense. When we look at ourselves for who we really are, and we look at ourselves as compared to God's Word, we can only see ourselves as like the publican that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 18, standing afar off with not so much, lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house 
justified. For those who see themselves as a sinner, for those who see themselves as guilty before God, and they come before God with a sorrowful heart, they come before God with a repentant attitude, they, they come before God and they ask God for mercy, mercy will be given. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. But, but just like the, the law of God brings conviction on the hearts of men, that is that conviction that draws us, it is that conviction that allows us to see ourselves as sinners and know that we're in need of a Savior, but the same law that brings conviction is the same law that will bring condemnation to those who reject it. The conviction is still there. Somebody professes to be an atheist, or they say they believe God, and they just go on living. It makes no difference. The conviction is there, but there's a condemnation to those who reject the conviction. Those who cry out um, to God for mercy, they're going to be given mercy in this life. I praise God the mercy doesn't stop at the end of this life. Mercy is for all of eternity. For those who reject the free gift of God, they know who they are. Those who are lost and on their way to hell, that they don't have to wait until they die to find out where they're going to be on Judgment Day. That those who are lost and on their way to hell, they don't have to wait for the great white throne of judgment to find out where they're going to spend eternity. Every man knows the answer now. You either know Christ or you don't know Christ. You, you've either accepted the gift of God or you've not accepted the gift of God. You've either, either you've trusted Christ as your Savior or you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. You're either saved and redeemed because you've accepted the gift or you're lost and on your way to hell because you've rejected the gift. Everybody already knows. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, Jesus said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Man's condition, man's position on judgment day is known already. Man with Christ is acquitted. Man with Christ is redeemed. Man with Christ is justified. Man without Christ is hopeless, he is helpless, and he is condemned for all of eternity. And he won't have to wait until judgment day. Everybody knows who you are right now. You know where you stand with Christ. Verse number 20, Paul goes on and says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now that goes hand in hand with what Paul had to say to the church at Ephesus, chapter 2, verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no amount of works that a person can do to earn heaven. There is absolutely no amount of good deeds that anybody can do to earn heaven. There is no amount of money that can be given to purchase a spot in heaven. It is a vain hope for someone to hope that they can do enough good deeds to, to outweigh their bad deeds and somehow earn a spot into heaven. It is a vain hope for somebody to hope that they can somehow 
act good enough to be pleasing to God and, and work their way in. Man is condemned by the law because the law is the knowledge of sin. No man can keep the law. Therefore, if a man is to be saved, then he must be saved by God's plan and by God's way, and that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world today where, where men refuse to accept Christ because they refuse to surrender authority to their life. Men like to think they're in control of their own lives, but you're not. Whether you reject Christ or not, if you reject Christ and you're living for the devil, you have a superior over you. You're either led by the devil or you're led by the Lord. That's your two choices. But people, they don't want to feel like they're surrendering any authority, so they reject God's plan. They reject the way. They, they try to reject the, the existence of God. They try to reject the truth of God's Word. They try to reject the plan of salvation, but on Judgment Day, on Judgment Day, when a lost sinner is cast into hell, he's not going to be surprised by that. He may beg and he may plead. And he may say, oh, God, give me another chance. Oh, God, I believe in you now. He may say a lot of things like what we do in Judgment Journey over at the Judgment Scene. They beg and plead and give me another chance and, and please God. But I went to church when I was little and they, they try to act and remind God of any deeds that they may have done. But, but they're already going to know if you've never been saved and you're watching this right now, you're on your way to hell and you know it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm not preaching hell, fire, and damnation. I'm just teaching the truth of the Word of God. But I'm not giving you anything that you don't know. If you're saved, you know you're saved. If you're lost, you know you're lost. You don't hope so. We don't have a hope so religion. We don't have a hope so God. We have a hope so faith. Or, no, we don't have a hope so faith. We have a, a, a Jesus Christ that, that gave us the whole story here in the Word of God that died on Calvary's cross for forgiveness of sins. And you either have that or you don't. Verse number 21. We get to that. Big old all-important word again. We looked at it Sunday morning. You know that, that little word we looked at, but, B-U-T, but. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. If you'll read your Bible through, you'll find that the word but is used an awful lot of times. As a matter of fact, 3,751 times in your King James Bible, 2,193 times in the Old Testament, 1,558 times in the New Testament. Now, certainly, all of those aren't life-changing events. All of those aren't big swinging matters in, in life. Many times, that's nothing more than a conjunction in the English language tying a sentence together. But there are many times that this is a life-changing word. This word changes everything. This is where life was, but God came along. This is what was happening, but God stepped in. Things looked as bad and bleak and, and dim, but God made a way out of no way. So many times the, the door swings on this word, but I was looking at some examples of it. I thought about Solomon, king of Israel, and the wealthiest man to have ever lived, the wisest man. The reason he was wise is because God asked him, what would you like? And he said, I want wisdom. 
that I might lead your people. And because of his answer, God gave him not only all of the wisdom, but all of the wealth, all the riches of the world, gave him all the things. And even when the, the queen came and saw him, he said, man, the half has not been told. They came just to see if it was real. Not only was it real, it superseded their greatest expectations. He was blessed beyond measure. He was given everything. He's the great king of God's people. First Kings chapter 11, verse number 1. But King Solomon... Loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites. Solomon's butt swung in a negative direction because he loved strange women. He followed them and he let his worship go to strange gods. Second Chronicles chapter 26, we have another great king in Uzziah. Uzziah was a powerful man. He built up the city Jerusalem, built up the walls, and, and it says in Second. Chronicles chapter 26, verse number 15, he made, Jerusalem, he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all in his name spread far abroad. For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, see, once again, he was a great man. God blessed him greatly and Gave him wealth and gave him power and gave him all the stuff. But he decided that he was a little too big for his own riches. And he decided to go into the temple. Decided to go in and do the things that only the priest could do. It says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Sometimes the, the, the door hinge will abut swings in the wrong direction. Somebody's clicking along, doing pretty good. They get caught up in themselves. They get to think they're doing too good. They think they're a little holier than they ought to think. They get to thinking it's something about them instead of about the one that saved them. And the door swings on the hinge, but things turn bad because of their own condition. But there's another side of the coin. Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. There are many life-changing events that have hung on this one little word, but. Not just life-changing events, but eternity-changing events. I thank God that I'm one of those life and eternity-changing events. Many of you right now, we, th that is a life-changing, eternity-changing event. We were on our way to hell. We deserve hell. We know that. We know that we were sinners separated, but God made a way out of no way. So, so I, I'm thankful for that little word, but. Now, <clears throat> for three weeks, for three weeks now, we've looked at a pretty grim picture. Paul has been painting these different pictures of sin, and we, we spent a good portion of one night <coughs> looking at the sin of hypocrisy. We spent a good portion of the one night speaking on atheism or unbelief that, that we mentioned again tonight also. We, we spent a, a small portion of one night 
looking at, at the sin of idolatry, putting things before God, anything that we put before God in our life, being an idol, we, we looked at being a poser. And I believe there are many posers alive and well in today's church. They come in on Sunday morning, they hold down a pew, but don't let anybody be in their seat, don't let anybody park in their space, don't let anybody wear something they don't like, do something they don't like. They pose, they say one thing, but they're living something else. And this is the fruit that shows the truth of it. I'm not going to get off into all that. That's not really a whole lot different than just being a hypocrite, claiming one thing, but really being something else. There's not a doubt in my mind that the devil has a lot of people inside the church house. He lets them come in here on every Sunday morning just to come in and stir things up and make havoc in the house. It doesn't bother him that they come here. We, we looked at the untamed tongue. We finished up there last week and carried it on over into Sunday morning and looked at the untamed tongue being the, the condition of the heart. Paul has given this bleak image of mankind. He's been pointing out all of this sin and, and all of this turmoil and all this trouble. He's pointed out all the reasons that we need a Savior. He's pointed out all the things that we fall into. He's pointed out the things that the devil lures man into. But, but then he comes along right here and thank God for this word, but, because God has a plan of salvation for everyone. God's plan is all-inclusive. It leaves no one out. Thank God for that one little word, but. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, for that one word. Salvation is God's plan. It is God's plan from the beginning. He laid it out perfectly from the very beginning, laid it out in his word. It has been laid out in his word. It is carried out in his son, and it is perfected in his will, and it is free to whosoever will, let him come. It's laid out, spelled out, written out, Informed out, put out, easy to understand. There it is, plain and simple. God's way of salvation made easy in Jesus Christ for anybody that will come and accept the free gift. It's not man's plan. It's God's plan. It's not the result of man's planning. It's not the product of man's reasoning. It's not the effect of man's work. It is God's plan written from the very beginning Carried out to the end, everything conforms completely to God's law. Everything that God puts in place now it is in straight and perfect alignment with the law that was written out from the very beginning. Verse number 21 here in our text, Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. God cannot... And God will not lower his standard. He says, is there anything God can't do? Yes, he cannot sin. He cannot break his own law. He cannot go back on his word. He cannot go back on commandments. He cannot do anything that goes against his already written perfect will. If God is going to save man, any man, mankind, then it must be done in perfect alignment, in perfect harmony with the already written law with the already written will. The, the Old Testament it is God's reveal to the law. God gave the law to Moses. He revealed the law, as we talked about, to bring conviction on men. He told, told him how to shed the blood of animals and how that blood would be atonement for sin just for a short season there. The law still reveals sin, but God has made a permanent solution 
to man's eternal problem. The law and the prophets, that's what we call the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Jesus referred to them um, when he was talking about when the Pharisees asked him about the first and great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. First five books of the Bible is the law. The Jews knew this as the law and the prophets. You have major prophets, minor prophets. There, there is a handful, I think five poetical books right offhand. But, but this is the law and the prophets. So what they're referring to here is the Old Testament. Jesus didn't say don't pay any attention to the law. Jesus didn't say, hey, forget about thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. He said, if you love God and you love man, then you'll keep the law. Because if you love God, you won't sin against God. And if you love man as yourself, then you won't sin against man. That means if you'll just keep these two commandments, if you'll just love these two right here, then you'll keep the law. Isaiah chapter 53, we see God's plan foretold. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us have turned away. All of us are guilty of sin. All of us were separated from God, but he was oppressed. He was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. If we are going to be saved at all, it had to be done by God in a way that was in perfect harmony with the already written law. Now, since we cannot save ourselves, God made a way of salvation for us. Verse number 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Every false religion in this world today shares one thing in common. Every, every Every, without fail, without even a little bit of a drop-off, every false religion requires that man must do something to, to earn or to merit or to gain the attention of Almighty God. They must do something to, to earn their space. They say, if you are going to make it into heaven, then you're going to have to earn it. If you're going to make it, you're going to have to work your way in. If you're going to make it into heaven, then you're going to have to be better than all those others who want to find their way in. 
your good deeds are going to have to outweigh your bad deeds. That is impossible. If man could keep the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. There's no way that man could keep the law. It was broken from the beginning. It's still broken today. But Jesus Christ is the one that stepped in and made a way. Jesus Christ is what sets the truth apart from all of the false religions of the world. Salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. It is of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then in verse number 23, possibly among one of the most quoted verses of all the Bible, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Short of the glory of God is summed up in one simple word, sin. The verse says the same thing. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has come short. Therefore, no one is fit for the kingdom of God. So people today, they, they try to measure themselves by their own standards. We looked at that last week, I believe it was, and we, we talked about how people try to compare themselves to their neighbors who never go to church, and they try to compare themselves to their co-workers who party and talk on the weekends. People try to, to compare themselves to, to all different manner of things, and they call that the measuring stick. They, they say, I'm better than them. I, I mean, I do give a little bit to charity. You know? I mean, I put that five bucks in one time, and, and at least I go to church sometimes. And, and so people look at it, and they go, well, I'm, I'm better than them. That's not your measuring stick. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're better than them. It, it, what, matter, what matters is do you make the mark, and the mark is Jesus Christ. Think about it like this. If, if we all had a ball, and we had to throw the ball in order to qualify. The qualifying mark is 100 yards. In order to qualify, you have to throw the ball 100 yards. If it doesn't make 100 yards, you don't qualify. If it does make 100 yards, you qualify. The distance doesn't matter. The distance isn't written down from 50 yards to 1,000 yards. The distance isn't written down. Two words are written down. One of two words, yes. Or no? Yes, you threw the ball 100 yards. No, you didn't throw the ball 100 yards. That's all that's kept. So you're wanting to compare yourself with your neighbors. Well, one of them comes up and he's got a bad arm. He's all messed up and he throws and it goes about two feet. Well, that's a long way from 100 yards. And you go, he ain't going to make it. One of your neighbors gets up and he throws it out there about 20 yards. You go, no, that ain't going to make it. Your neighbor from the other side gets up and he throws it 30 yards. The one from across the road comes up and he throws it 40 yards. You go, ain't none of them going to make it. All your coworkers come in and one of them chunks it 50 yards and 160. Then you get the one that comes up there. He, he rears back and he throws it 80 yards. He's throwing it further than anybody, but he's not made the mark. You get up and you get the ball. You throw it 99 yards and two feet. No one made the mark. It doesn't matter that you threw it further than them. You didn't make the 100-yard mark. That's what Jesus Christ is. He is the benchmark. It's not what you do to compare yourself against your neighbor. It doesn't matter what you did to try to be good. You can't be good enough without Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away sin. Jesus Christ is the mark. He is the standard. It's, it's really this simple. Yes, I have accepted God's free gift. No, I have not accepted God's free gift. That is the standard. That is the answer. Sin is coming short of the glory of God. 
Obviously, when we look at people's lifestyles, we look Sunday morning about um, the fruit of their works, and you can judge people by the fruit of their works, and uh, you, you can kind of see what people's lifestyle, you can see the root that they're connected to. I mean, if they're living like the devil, there's a reason for that. If they're acting, walking, and talking like they're led by the devil, there's a reason for that. So the Bible tells us that we can see the fruit and that we can judge things by the fruit. There's a lot of people that we can look and see that they're coming very, very short. But whether it's those people that claim to be atheists that are coming very, very short or the one that gets up and goes to church on Sunday morning and acts like they're trying to do things right, if they have not set the benchmark, if they have not accepted Jesus Christ, then there is no getting into heaven. Short is short. Sin is sin. Separation is separation. Romans chapter 6. Paul says, but... There's that word again. Chapter 6, verse 22. But now, being made free from sin... I like that. You like that, Philip? What do you think, Joseph? But now... Being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But, there's that word again, and this is a big swing right here. This is about as big as the door is going to get right here. On one side, the wages of sin is death. That door swings around. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. We spent three weeks. Paul had, you know, I said Sunday morning, referring to last Wednesday night, I said, boy, if we keep staying right here in Romans the way Paul's teaching, we're either going to get everybody back in church or we ain't going to have nobody come back to church because Paul just don't cut no slack. He's very clear and he's very direct in his teachings. And, and for, for three weeks, we've looked at all these different sins that Paul has pointed out. We've looked at all the things, but tonight, Tonight, he's brought us to the highlight of it all. But there's a better way. We may have been all that. We may have committed all that. We may be guilty of all that. That might be somewhere in, in our past transcripts, but that thing's been burnt. That thing's been cast away, washed away in the blood. And tonight, we stand here redeemed. We stand here justified. We stand here as guiltless before God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to do tonight. We've left off in a tight spot for three weeks in a row. We, we've, been, we've left off in some sinful spots. We've left off in some hard spots. So tonight, I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased to be right here at this spot where we stand here redeemed and on our way to heaven. We're going to leave off right here. Lord willing, we'll pick up there next week, but, but we're going to take a few days, and I'm, I'm just going to be happy to not have to go home thinking about all that hypocrisy I've been thinking about and preaching about all day or thinking about all that stuff. I'm going to get to walk out of here tonight redeemed of the Lamb of God. If you've been paying attention and you have accepted the gift, then tonight you can go to bed redeemed. You don't have to worry about any of that past, any of that separation. All that stuff is forgiven and forgotten. And here we are, redeemed of the Lamb of God. Father, thank you so much that we can leave off right here, God, on this text, and that we are redeemed of the Lamb of God, that we have been bought with the price, we have been purchased Lord, we've been bought up out of the fires of hell and given that eternal home and glory. Father, I just want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you thank you for being so good to us, God. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus who washes away all my sins and all my iniquity and all my past and all of our faults and failures, God. We just want to tell you thank you. 
We just want to tell you that we love you, God. And thank you that we can lay down and go to bed tonight knowing that if Jesus Christ comes before we wake up again, it don't matter to us. We wake up in glory. If we die to this life, don't matter to us. We step into a better place. The absolute worst thing that could happen in this life is to die, and it's the best thing that can happen to the child of God. I just want to tell you thank you, Father. Thank you for being so incredibly good to us. We love you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on a Wednesday night. I want to remind you again, if you would, please, right now, wherever you are, gather your family around if you can, gather in your living room or find your place in your prayer closet. Please, right now, just like we would on a Wednesday night, we all come down to the altar and we pray. There are a lot of names on that prayer list. Please open it up on your phone, on your iPad, whatever you got. Take a look at that prayer list. Pull those names up and pray for those people. They are in, in, in dire need of our prayer. And we know that God is still here and answering them. So if you take a little time now and pray. I hope to see all of you Sunday morning. I have every expectation of live services right here. So I hope to see you. Doors will open again at 10 just as before. We will be wearing masks just as before. I, I have no idea when that day will come that we get to take those off. But for right now, we'll continue to protect this campus as best as we can. So I hope to see all of you Sunday morning right here at 1030. God bless you. Hope you have an amazing rest of your week. We love you.